The Power Connect podcast is brought to you by Inawats. Discover the Inawats difference at Inawats.com. So I got into this PhD at Cambridge, and when we were going to nail down the exact topic, I was like, I gotta try to call this guy Jigger <laughs> and see if you know he has a good idea. And I said that to someone, and it was just this chance thing. Was I was in the cafeteria in Cambridge and and talking to um, some older colleague, and he was like, oh, I know Jigger. Do you want me to send an email to him? And it was crazy. Welcome into the Power Connect Podcast. I'm your host, Fred Davis, episode 53 of the program, rolling along on a Black Friday edition of the show. I hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Hopefully you didn't gorge yourself too much, ate lots of pie, turkey, ham, whatever it is you are into on all things Thanksgiving. So hopefully you had a nice one with your friends, family, colleagues, and whoever else you enjoyed Thanksgiving with. And for all of our non-Thanksgiving American listeners, well, hopefully you just had a great Thursday. Uh, We've got a great show today. Dr. Harold Overholm, founder, one of the founders of Alight Energy over in Europe, the leading PPA provider in Europe. And of course, he's got a great story as to how he got going in the PPA space and why he is, as I like to call him, the godfather of European PPAs. So before we get to that, though, let's talk about our podcast partner in a watch. Look, the winter temps are here and market volatility continues to wreak havoc while oil and gas prices remain high and supply is a major concern. So the question for retail energy providers is how can I get my load forecast even tighter for the days and weeks ahead? And utilities are thinking to themselves, how can we improve our demand forecast and glean insights into how our customers are consuming energy? Luckily for them, there is a way. And it's Inawatch's award-winning energy data platform. Recognized for its demand forecasting accuracy, the platform is one of the most comprehensive in energy, allowing clients to operate their forecasting, scheduling, settlement, and risk management processes, all from one easy-to-use location that allows your organization to decarbonize while increasing profitability as well. Go to Inawatch.com today to learn more about the InnoWatts difference and how it can work for you, or follow InnoWatts on their LinkedIn page. All right, let's get down to today's episode. Dr. Harold Overholm, the Alight CEO, details what makes solar stand out for him and why it's he's so invested in it versus other clean energy alternatives. Despite the changing investment climate, Dr. Overholm explains why he was very intentional when he sought out the right investment firm to partner with, how a chance conversation in a Cambridge cafeteria while he was getting his PhD led to him connecting with Jigger Shaw and thus began his PPA education, why his respect for entrepreneurship will factor into whether a light ever branches into the United States, and much more. So without further ado, please welcome to the program the Alight CEO, Dr. Harold Overholm. I got out of school as a renewable energy engineer so and i was uh, i was one of the first in sweden to have that degree so i was kind of like primed for it from the start but that's a passion and it's 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 been a calling because there's just a logic to it isn't it it's like climate change is a massive massive challenge for you know i was going to say our generation but for every generation from this point on um what is it about climate change is about the burning of coal oil and gas to the extent that we can reduce that, uh, we reduce global warming, climate change. Now, the one single best way to do that is to build solar. I'm, I'm completely convinced about that. I mean, I could talk about that at length, like whatever uh, angles there is to it. But, but basically, I've been convinced. And I, I don't mind the, I mean, there's everything else, there's the wind, etc. That's And it's all great. Like, I, I you know, I'm a big fan of, of everything that is renewable and clean energy. But solar just has this, like, fundamental 
you know, there's this one stat that's like um, the amount of energy that hits the Earth from the sun is like 10,000 times the, the the power we need for the power system. And, and in order to capture it, every power, like every in uh, kilowatt hour of power we need from the sun, we would kind of need an area, I think it's like 1% of the Sahara. And those things have like captured my imagination from from the beginning it just has this fundamental logic to it and yeah i mean never found anything better to to, <laughs> to work on frankly are we doing enough to advance solar panels and where can somebody like a dr overholm and a light even though you guys are solar developers how can you guys start to rattle the chains a little bit and say look what do we need to do to make this more effective because i think if we got more effective solar panels wouldn't that in essentially be a game changer in and of itself I actually think the technology is uh, not the bottleneck. If the technology got better, uh, that would just that would mean that you could produce more solar with less space, which is great. It, it, you know, it's not it's that it's not bad at all. It, it's great, but it's not the bottleneck to fixing. So if if the problem is you know how do we put enough solar on this globe to to really matter? At this point, it's not about the technology. Uh, it's about everything else, and I think that's. That's what I learned from my early career, because, and I'm segueing into your last question here, but I think that it's actually relevant because I started my career, I was I started my career in venture capital, and and at the time, I think it's still called like clean tech 1.0. It was like everyone was starting up the first clean tech fund, and even people like Kleiner Perkins and Sequoia, they were doing clean tech funds, which they now pretend they never did. It's like. <laughs> I was going to say, you were, in on the ground, you were in on the ground floor of, of clean tech when it was really starting yeah. to become a thing. Yeah, the 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 yeah the clean tech as an investment theme. I was I was in on the ground floor, and uh, and it was a you know a rocky <laughs> this been a rocky ride up with the elevator. But but the one thing we learned was that you know because everyone at, at that point approached clean tech as a technology problem and was like okay we're gonna put more money into deep technology. But then you realize very quickly that something like solar i mean it, it really works like it, it produces power in a great way just the way it is what's holding it back is the ecosystem of how to build it out you know capital permitting uh construction teams just the flow the value chain is like a true um it's more you know it's more e-commerce than semiconductors if you <laughs> if you follow the the analogy but it's more about just building out the logistics and getting it all to run smoothly so that was my insight from from early vc so it got me into how do you deploy solar like how do you build the engine to to just put solar everywhere and and to still to this day i don't feel like i love technology development like I, i'm 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 not against them uh, in any way but like, I don't feel it's the bottleneck. I feel the bottleneck is all about the capital, the engine, the people, like the, the, the logistics. Big difference between the US and the European market is that the, the US market for solar and wind got going in a pretty commercial way, uh, which I think is great. So that's been a huge inspiration to us. Uh, we, uh, we I went to the US, I learned about the US market, I brought it back to Europe. That was like the, the key initiative to kick off the company. The European market came from like a government subsidy program in the early years, it was all about the government subsidy programs. And it was like, so it came from this very controlled system where the government just decided that like, we want exactly this amount of solar and in this place, I'm going to pay this much. And then people developed for that. But now that this doesn't, you know, for the, for the, for the sort of energy transition that Europe wants to go through, this, this will never be 
like governments will never be this is not a good idea to let them let them run that and it's just going to be too big for them so so now the european market is going through this this very rapid shift towards what the what's already happened in the us which is uh, making solar a commercial product that's that, that's like the big difference between the markets and that's in, in how they're evolving and, and how they're growing then you were touching upon the grid thing like if if is the grid an issue yeah i mean the grids are an issue but uh that's quite similar i think in the in the us and i think on average the us grids are like 10 or 15 years older like some some really specific number like they, essentially they were built out a little bit earlier than europe's grids but the core thing is the same which is that we need to couple solar which is intermittent we need to couple solar with with things like batteries and, and other storage solutions in order to just make it a little bit more appealing for the grids like because then you when you do solar plus storage you actually deliver value to the grid you like de deliver stability to the grid uh together with solar so you're kind of moving from a problem for the grid to a solution for the grid basically all right so let's hear about who alight am i saying that right a-l-i-g-h-t alight is that is that the, yeah uh, just like alight i mean just the word alight i love it i love it so tell us and and you know some you guys got some uh, some good news this week and uh with a dif partner so i guess two-part question number one tell us who alight is what was kind of the impetus for dr overholm putting this thing together and of course uh share with the folks at home the good news that uh came to alight yeah, Alight is all about commercial solar. So selling solar in a commercial way to uh, industrial customers. We only do B2B. We don't do the residential B2C thing. We do B2B. But we we go to big power users, commercial and industrial power users, and we sell power to them. And, and for every kilowatt hour power that we can sell in a contract, we build something new. So we build solar on their rooftops or we build it on our plants like on our we just get a piece of land and build it but it doesn't matter because the revenue model is always the same it's always about selling power to power users and that's usually called the ppa or a power purchase agreement so you'll hear a lot about ppas in this market and, and we're the pioneers of of solar ppas in europe uh we did we did some of the first solar ppas ever in, in europe in 2015 that's what we do. And then once we build something, so we have a build own operate model. So we build out solar and we kind of we kind of operate it in the long term. And previously we didn't own it ourselves. We kind of offloaded it to a financial partner. So we put it on someone else's balance sheet. And and uh, that, that's good in many ways, but it's kind of uh it can get a bit bureaucratic because you are on opposite sides of the table with the financial partner and you gotta figure out exactly what they can accept and not accept, etc. So we wanted to move to being able to build out the assets and truly put them on our own balance sheet with leverage and, and everything you can do to get external capital, but still kind of control a little bit our own destiny, if you like, or control the, our own growth pace and, and kind of pick the markets that we truly believe in and just move fast because we think this market is all about you know, moving fast, uh, building a massive market. Uh, it's just going to be very, very big. So we had to get a lot of capital. So we had to find a good partner to get the capital from. We went out into the market, started about a year ago. So it took a year. I mean, this isn't this hasn't been the easiest market ever to raise money in, as you might imagine. But we were looking for someone who was big, who was a truly uh, a long-term believer in, in renewables, who had a team that understood renewables so that we could kind of have an intelligent discussion with them at all times. And yeah, we found um, DIFF, which is uh, one of the world's largest infrastructure funds, the private equity infrastructure fund, 15 billion euros under management, uh, comes out of Europe, but has assets globally and have been doing renewables, funding renewables for uh, it's almost 20 years. 
fantastic team. So like a team that could truly have been working, you know, in our company as as much as they work at Diff. It's just like the sort of people that we are in our company. It was a very strong sense of culture fit. And we raised 150 million euros in equity from uh, from Diff um, with the intention to build out uh, a huge amount of assets. So when you put leverage on top of that, it's 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 at least 500 million uh, euros worth of assets that we can build out on our balance sheet. Um, and obviously, together with that, expand the team, go to probably 100, 150 people um, and lead the market for commercial solar and storage in, in Europe is is uh, is really the one thing that we're that we're looking to do. You know, I'm looking at your background, and of course, uh, you've got a just incredible educational background, international relations, energy security. Where did you pick up this business acumen, and where was it that you decided, or what was kind of the, what was that light bulb moment for you when you decided, look, let's get into this PPA market? How'd you learn about them, and when did you think, okay, this is something we can do here in uh, Europe? So there was two questions. So the first one was like, where does the business thing come from? And and so I got into venture capital directly out of school because I thought venture capital was a place where you could, you know, think really deep thoughts, but still be kind of in business and build companies. But the thing that happens when you go into venture capital is that you meet um, a heap of entrepreneurs, like you just meet entrepreneurs every day and they're business people. And you kind of realize that you got to like the business language, the business thinking, the business way of, of looking at the world is that's how you get stuff done, right? So uh, if you want to get shit done, you got to think business. And and that that to me, I think was a school. Like I probably, I did a back of the envelope and at some point, and, and I think I met like 200 entrepreneurs in the first like two or three years of, of being in venture capital. And those 200 entrepreneurs, they uh, they taught me uh, uh, everything, you know, um, but then there was a point I was like, I'm looking for something to focus on in this big clean tech space. And it was kind of confusing because you have clean tech is massive, like it's everything you could come up with. And solar seemed so interesting. And then someone told me about a guy called Jigger Shaw in the US. And I was like, oh, Jigger, he's turned solar into a product. It's just like a, a value proposition. It's not solar. He's not he's not selling panels or technology or you know doing construction. He's just making solar a value creating thing for companies so that they all can go solar quickly just like they you know get a sauce uh salesforce uh solution for their it very simply and, and efficiently they can get solar simply and efficiently and at that point i was just about to i wanted to do an mba like a break in my career but i didn't because someone um just showed me that it was a way to do a phd but kind of a business PhD, like looking at economics. So I got into this PhD at Cambridge. And when we were going to nail down the exact topic, I was like, I got to try to call this guy Jigger <laughs> and see if, you know, he has a good idea. And I said that to someone. And it was just this chance thing was I was in the cafeteria in Cambridge and, and talking to um, some older colleague. And he was like, oh, I know Jigger. Do you want me to send an email to him? <laughs> and it was crazy. Like I... You know, uh, what are the odds? Like, uh, but he did. He was just like with his Blackberry in his hand. He said, oh, I'm just texting Jigger now. We'll see if he answers. And Jigger had just sold his company. Sun Edison, it was called. Uh, so he had just sold his company. So he wasn't really doing much uh, at the time. And he was like, yeah, you know, happy to. So I had a call with Jigger. And then I was, we just decided to focus my PhD 
work on this market and on how this market had grown and like you know obviously a phd goes really academic but kind of the empirical basis became this market so then i went to the us i i uh, recorded i think 50 hours of interviews with with jigger probably and then another another like 150 200 uh, hours of interviews with other people in the market um in the us solar ppa market um and yeah they taught me everything i know basically so you learned the PPA market. Did you realize, okay, I can make this thing work in Europe? What was kind of that process like and, and what have been kind of the bumps and bruises to where when you started in 2015 to where we are going into 2023 and you're kind of like the, uh, you know, you're kind of like the godfather of PPAs at this point in Europe. What, is, that, is, that, is, that a, is that a safe yeah. assumption? <laughs> well, look, I mean, that's the mixed blessing too, isn't it? Because uh coming out of it i mean you can guess by now like the venture capital thing the phd thing i mean i am a i'm someone who starts out sometimes like a little bit too theoretical with things like i that's i i think you know i start thinking and then i do go do um so i think when we when i came out of the phd you know it's like we gotta set up this company and do this i mean that was a theoretical idea it wasn't based on customers in the market asking me to do it it wasn't the sort of entrepreneur entrepreneurship where you go like oh you know here's the beach everyone's like looking for an ice cream i gotta sell an ice cream it was more like you know in theory this is a great idea we're gonna set it up in europe in sweden which is actually quite north in, in europe so it's only sunny in the <laughs> in one half of the year so i mean that was a bit crazy uh and uh we paid for that by going through like one or two three really slow years in the beginning of like ah oh, this is you know what happens is when you do something too early you end up um like as a teacher like you just every meeting you have you're just teaching because no one has ever heard what you're talking about before so you kind of like before you can even get to do business or like present the proposal it's more like you're just teaching them about what is solar like what is a ppa my god that's like two meetings to teach someone teach someone what the ppa is so I think that's the big scar tissue we have is like going through those years. But, but you know, if you endure those years, of course, you come out on the other end feeling like the godfather of PBA, which is a, which is a good feeling. And like today, people, like customers are, of course, impressed by the, 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 the length of our track record because it's unique. I mean, that's so that's great. But it was tough um, to try to build a company when it's kind of unclear if it, it was actually needed. Um, and then at the end, like these last two or three years, we've, we've been very, very lucky because everything in the market, not, not just one thing, but but multiple things have just moved very distinctively in our direction. You get the like the perfect storm idea. And that's that's great. So so uh, I think I don't know who said it, but someone said that, like, you know, 10 years of, of very hard trying is going to make it look like an overnight success <laughs> year 10. <laughs> I, I think that's that's true. That pretty much sums up the journey we've been on. Look, I, I always go back to, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, The Legend of Bagger Vance, but the guy that wrote that book, Stephen Pressfield, was 44. Gates, Gates, of, Gates of Fire. There you go, right? And so, and Stephen Pressfield, you know, and so now he does, he, he, he kind of has this where he does, you know, nonfiction, fiction, and then, uh, you know, self-help books. And he says, look, it took me 30 years to be an overnight success. And, you know, that's that's kind of the way it works, right? Nobody knew Dr. Overholm was, you know, grinding and letting folks know what the hell a PPA was when nobody knew what the hell a PPA was. What kept you going in those early years? Look, it's a very good question. It's it's almost like the question because I think that's a lot of times what separates 
whoever makes it to the end to whoever doesn't because it's uh i remember when i set off to do my phd initially and i asked some older people who had done phds i was like what do you think is important when uh, when i go and do a phd and they all said the same thing they said like if you don't know why you're doing the PhD, you're never going to finish it. Like you're not going to finish it. But if you know why you're doing it, you, you probably, you, I don't have to give you that much advice about the details because you're going to figure it out. And like, that's, that's true for a company as well. Like if you know logically why you're building the company and if that logic keeps making sense to you when you run it back and forth in your head and especially on the bad days, you know, but if there's still logic to it, I mean, you're going to keep going, I think. Um, so at least that's 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 how I work, you know. And maybe I'm theoretical in like needing this logic all the time, but like that's that's what keeps me going. I love it. I love it. Obviously, you saw the United States, the government pass the Inflation Reduction Act. Now we could argue whether or not it's going to reduce in inflation, but what it did signal to the rest of the world, from everybody I've talked to outside the U.S., is that look, it shows that the U.S. is finally taking clean technology, clean uh, energy investments seriously. What did it say to Dr. Harold Overholm, who spent some time in the United States, knows a little something, something about what we're doing here, clean energy wise, and is that an entree? to, and maybe this is before the IRA even passed or whatnot, that a light would ever uh, enter into the U.S. market. Yeah, I get the greatest respect for the U.S. market because that's, again, that's where I learned the commercial idea of how to drive the energy transition without asking governments for permission, but just driving it based on, on you know, creating value and like just, just the same way that people... You know, why do we all have iPhones? You know, it's not because there was like a government iPhone program. It's just because they're great products. Yeah? So... But because that comes out of the U.S., and I've got this great respect for the U.S., it's probably the last place I would go to to compete, you know, to be honest. Like, it's just, uh, but maybe we should. Like, maybe we, uh, we should think differently. But but I think the U.S. is full of amazing entrepreneurs, like the best entrepreneurs in the world. And they are so busy in the U.S. because it's so big. And, like, they if they go anywhere, they go kind of to Canada or something, but they don't go anywhere else. So I'm kind of happy having the rest of the world <laughs> for a light, you know. So was was the U.S. kind of like a boot camp for you then, in a way, learning like, okay, you, this just y'all are at a different speed than the, than the rest of the world. Yeah, I mean, solar, like uh, so many other things in the U.S. on the entrepreneurial side, it comes out of Silicon Valley. I mean, it is Silicon, literally. Uh, so it 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 comes out of out of Silicon Valley, out of Stanford, out of like the same entrepreneurs, like a lot of the people, a lot of the early people that build fast growing solar companies, like P Drive that I was just talking about. <laughs> Uh, they came right out of the Valley uh, digital ecosystem. And and that ecosystem, it's arguably the fastest, you know, most aggressive way to build companies and scale them quickly in the world ever, like in the history of mankind. So that it's the sharpest, you know, it's the sharpest brains, the sharpest thinking. Like, you want to compete with that? Like, you know, you want to learn from that. And then you want to go go everywhere else and compete. Uh, that's That's been my my thinking. I'm, I've been so impressed by by some American entrepreneurs. Um, truly, um, it, it's just truly an outstanding thing that you have, especially in California, especially in Silicon Valley. But like the whole setup, the whole ecosystem, um, amazing, you know. We'll wind this thing down. Uh, 2022 is coming to a close. Again, from a climate standpoint, it has been a just amazing year on a lot of different fronts, whether we're talking educationally, whether we're talking policy-wise, whether we're talking 
you know, global conflict-wise. I mean, everything in some form or fashion has been put under a microscope when it comes to the climate and energy this year in 2022 and, of course, what it means for 2023 and beyond. That being said, look, Europe's in good shape from a, you know, storage tanks are full. You guys are going to get through the winter in 2022. 2023 and beyond raises a lot of questions. Where does Dr. Harold Overholm and a light fit into that play? Well, the energy transition in Europe is real. It's never been as sharp, uh, sharply understood as it is now. That is, uh, you know, we can thank Russia for that. Uh, we can, uh, but Europe needs to get energy independent and power independent. We can't produce power from gas because then we're at the, you know, um, we're, we're just at the mercy of um, a very large government that we don't want to be at the mercy of. So... 2022, I think, has showed Europe that we need to get serious about the energy transition. That doesn't just mean solar. It means solar plus many other things. But I've never felt this amount of support. It's just not interest. It's not, it's, it's not just interest. It's not just like, you know, a, a general positive view. It's just genuine uh, need. You know, a, a, people are realizing the need to do this quickly. And that, I think, is going to drive fantastic things for our industry and for society. That's why we believe in what we do. We believe that if we carry out the energy transition, if we move um, the, uh, the power needs of human beings to sustainable green power, then we're doing something fantastic for the long future. So I'm, I'm very bullish on, on that. You know, I'm not going to weigh in on the inflation and the recession and all that, but the, the outlook for seriously... Uh, expanding the energy transition is good um, and uh, it's just up to us to do the hard work of, of carrying it out you got 150 million euros in your back pocket uh you're obviously rocking and rolling with with a light and what you guys are going to do uh as far as kind of you know like you said take more control over and give you guys more flexibility in what you want to do that being said you strike me as a kind of guy who is you know, I, I think you're going to continue to rock and roll in the, the solar space, but I just get a feeling that, you know, there's other things that maybe you've got some, some uh, you know, maybe a naive interest in of some sort, or, you know. Is it just solar, or do we, are we going to see Dr. Harold Overholm and the Alight Group start dabbling in other things? Now, I know when you start waning that focus, you can kind of lose sight of things, but, again, I think you're obviously a very disciplined guy. Do you see yourself venturing into or dabbling into other aspects of the energy transition? We're doing storage now. So we're putting storage together with solar. And I think actually that's a huge step um, because, I mean, as a, as a company, it's a huge step because the skill set you need to do storage well over time has another depth to it. It's, it's just got a different kind of depth to it than solar. Um, solar is a little bit dumb, you know, in the sense that it is intermittent power. Like you put up the panel, it produces power when the sun shines. That is it. When you get to storage, suddenly there's the complexity, you know, there's a, a, there's just a lot of software, there's a marketplace to be read. So I think that's super exciting uh, for us as a company. It can, it can help us develop new muscles in, in areas where we like, like software, essentially, and, and kind of market trading. Um, and it's all going to feed back into solar deployment because it's, it's, it's going to be it's easier to deploy solar if we can do storage with it. The the economics get better, like the the um, and, and the value to society gets higher. So you get everyone with you, and and you just get more allies. And it. it's just a great thing. It's a great synergistic thing. So that's why we do it. We we wouldn't do anything that was kind of like a new business line, but we would do something like storage that kind of feeds into the to the key business line. And yeah, that's that that's great. I'm very excited about that. 
Thank you so much for that, Dr. Harold Overholm. You can catch all of the Power Connect podcasts over at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and of course over on the website as well, thepowerconnect.net. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating. Why? Because we think we do a pretty dadgum good job. And, well, let's call it what it is. It helps with the algorithm. If you'd like to be a part of the program, you can always connect with us on LinkedIn, Fred Davis, and or The Power Connect. And, of course, you can also just reach out to me via email as well, fred at thepowerconnect.net. That's fred at thepowerconnect.net. We've got some great episodes coming up. Sid Kitson from Kitson and Partners, Brad Wills from Schneider Electric. Kevin Cushman had a fantastic conversation with him the other day from Electrata. And then uh, upcoming, we've got Mrs. Phoebe Yu and Cat Day from Etitude with the tagline, Bamboo is better in bed. Their words, not mine. I guess we'll have to find out and talk to them more about it. All right, look, it's been a great program. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed it as much as I have. Everybody have a safe and productive and healthy weekend. Eat as many leftovers as you possibly can. We will catch you next week. This has been the Power Connect Podcast, connecting the energy transition one conversation at a time. Wake up, Builders, time to build a new land. I know we could do it if we all lend a hand. The only thing we have to